Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, Valley Rise Church. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. Woo. Hey, awesome. How's everyone enjoying 21 Days of Prayer? You guys jumping in, for those of you who are with us, yeah, hopefully you're enjoying it. Um, For those of you who are with us for the first time, we're in our 21 days of prayer. And so every morning at 6 a.m., we're up for an hour praying, and I get on um, social media, and I do a live Facebook or Instagram. Actually, it's on both, and um, you can jump on there, and I give about 10 minutes of just an encouragement and prayer direction, and then 45 minutes for you to put on some music and pray and see what God does. Hey, I want you to know, as you do this, it changes what's going on around you. I've talked to several people, and they go, Pastor, it seems like since we started 21 days of prayer, like, things have gotten worse. It seems like all hell's broken loose. It seems like this has gone bad. What is going on? Well, let me tell you why that is. That's because you're in the game now. You're in the game now. And nobody guards the guy who sits on the bench. Nobody, nobody's scouting the water boy. Nobody, I promise you, LSU, it, well, we're not even really scouting their team, we're so confident, but we, we, nobody's scouting the guy guarding the water bottle going like, what is he doing? But when you get in the game and when you start to move heaven and when you start to intercede and when you start to pray for lost people and when you start to change things, the enemy notices and now you're in the game. So I encourage you, if this first week has been rough, you continue to push through. Here's what we know. God wins. The victory is his, and we have victory in him. So I encourage you, continue to push in, pray. If you're fasting, hey, congratulations, keep going. God is going to give you a breakthrough. Some people have asked me, Pastor, why do we fast? And let me just tell you this. And what, regardless of what it is, whether you're fasting social media or TV or food or maybe it's eating out or whatever you're fasting, My son asked me last night on the way home, he goes, Dad, why do we fast? I said, that's a great question. Some of you have heard me say this before. We we have three parts that make up who we are. We have our body, which is your your natural physical needs. You have your soul, which is your mind, your will, and emotions. And then you have your spirit. And the three parts of you are always battling, always battling. Your spirit should be in control, but how many of you know sometimes your flesh and your soul went out in that battle? And so when you fast, what you're doing is you're telling your body and your soul no so that you can tell your spirit yes. And here's what I know to be true. If you can tell your body no in one area, you can tell it no in every area. What does that mean? If I can say no when I'm really hungry and go, I'm going to focus on God, then when I'm on the road and some good looking girl looks at me, I can also say no. Amen? So if you can tell yourself no in one area, you can tell yourself no in every area. So what fasting does is it shuts down my body and my soul and allows my spirit to be the loudest voice that I hear. So I encourage you, if you're doing that, keep pressing in. I hope that you are experiencing already the presence of God more clearly. I know that it's going to be awesome. Hey, we are in our series, Fresh Air. And the whole concept behind Fresh Air is maybe you grew up like I grew up, where church was not a breath of fresh air for me. Church was not exciting. I was not, when they said, let us be glad to go into the house of the Lord, it was like, let us be really sad or not that happy to go to the house of the Lord. I didn't want to be in church. I didn't want to be with the people of God. That was boring and sad to me. But that's because we were doing it wrong. And I want you to know, when you are in the house of God and when you are living this life the way it was intended to be lived, it is a breath of fresh air. Living a life with Christ is a breath of fresh air. The relationships he provides you are a breath of fresh air. It puts wind in your sails. 
so that you can go out and impact the world like he called us to impact the world. Today, we're going to continue in that with a very important part of this understanding of what living a fresh air life looks like. Hey, let's pray and we'll jump into it. Dear God, we're so thankful for your presence. God, we're so thankful that you are here with us, that you want to speak to us. God, I ask that you would open our hearts and minds, give revelation, supernatural revelation that changes us, God. Let this not just be another good message, but let it be a message that changes our life, God. Let it be a message where the scales fall off our eyes, where we see you more clearly. We ask that you would bring revelations into our hearts and minds, God, like only you can. Open the eyes of our heart. God, bless our people and bless the Texans. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, I don't want to talk about last week, okay? But I will say this. Obviously, y'all weren't praying hard enough for your pastor's team, okay? I felt very betrayed and abandoned. I even had somebody send me a Vikings lanyard in the mail. Yeah, they're not in the church anymore. Um, But tomorrow night, all will be made right. And I know all of you will be pulling for your pastor's team tomorrow night. Amen? Amen. For those of you who know, my dad is Coach Ogeron's pastor, and so I am going to the game. I leave in the morning. My dad and all my four brothers are going to be there. It's going to be awesome, excited. So be looking for me. Um, I'll be the only tall Mexican there. And um, if we lose, I'll be the guy running across the field to tackle their quarterback, I guess. Hey, 1 Peter 1, 5 through 9. Through our... Now here's what we do here. If the word's highlighted, you say it with me, okay? Through our... The mighty power of God constantly guards us until our full salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. May the thought of this cause you to jump for joy, even though lately you've had to put up with the grief of many trials. But these only reveal the sterling core of your, which is far more valuable than gold that perishes, for even gold is refined by fire. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Your authentic, well, oh, sorry. For we live by and not by sight, Hebrews eleven six. And without living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in knowing that he is real and that he rewards the of those who give all their passion and strength into seeking him. Hey, how many of you know if it says without faith it is impossible to please God, then we probably need to understand what faith is. Maybe you grew up in church where faith was a, was, a, was a word that was thrown around for like when they didn't have a good answer. You know, like, how does God do this? Hey, brother, you just got to have faith. How many of you got that answer growing up? I asked a lot of questions that that was the answer to. Like, if God's so big, then why does this happen? Hey, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. You had to, oh, ye of little faith. I'm like, I'm just trying to understand God. Like, I don't know, I don't know if it's little faith. I just want to know what's going on here. And, It seemed like every question that I asked that they didn't have the answer to, that was just the answer. Hey, brother, you got to have faith. And I realized that that was from people that didn't realize what they were doing, okay? Because there is good answers. And faith is not the answer to questions you don't know. Faith is a very tangible, real thing. And without it, it is impossible to please God. And if that's true, which it is, then that means we need to understand not only what faith is, but how to use our faith, how to get our faith. If this is the case, that faith is this important to God, how do we get this thing called faith? Is it just a belief? Is it, okay, I really, 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 really believe that. Is that faith? Is it, okay, God, like, I know if I jump off of here, you're going to catch me. Is, is that faith? What does faith really look like? Romans 10, 17. How do we get this thing called faith? So then, 
comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So Paul tells us, listen, this thing called faith, which is really, really important, here's how you get this thing called faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We need the word to get faith. So let's work this backwards. If faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, it means we need the word of the word of God. Hebrews 4:12. For we have the living word of God. The living word of God, that's your Bible. Okay, the living word of God, which is full of energy, and it pierces more sharply than a two-edged sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being, where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. Think about this. Paul goes, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And what is the word? We have the living word of God, which is scripture. It means that the book that you read is not just a normal book. When you read it, it reads you. When you read it, it is doing things on the inside of you that you're unaware of. I showed you all the study a couple weeks ago of what happens if you read Scripture four times a week. The changes that take place in your life. All of the benefits. And if you missed that one, I encourage you to go back and listen to that message because it is unbelievable. But he says, the Word of God which gives us faith is not just a normal word. Now here's the cool thing about this. The Greeks have two words for the word, word, okay? And, and I, many of you have studied Greek or Hebrew. It, it's like complicated. Like, I don't know if you went to school. When I went to school, you had to learn some Greek. They would make you take like Greek or Latin classes. And I remember them saying like, Latin is a dead language. I'm like, I understand why. Like if I had to learn this every day, I'd be dead too. I mean, this is ridiculous. It is a whole, they have multiple words for one word. They have, and so in the Greek language, they have two words for the word, word. Now I wanna help you make the Bible come alive for you. Cause maybe you like me have read Bible and, and, and it just is boring. Like, like you read it and you just go like, I feel like Abinadab begot Jenabab, begot Ababab, begot, like I feel like there's a lot of begots and like I can't understand. Part of it is some of you are reading in the wrong translation. If your Bible still says thee or thou, you need a new translation of scripture, okay? That's not fun for anybody. I don't even read the these and thous. There are so many different translations you can get out there. My favorite personally is the Passion Translation. It's, in, it's only in the New Testament in Psalms and Proverbs. They're, they're still working on the Old Testament. But I encourage you, get it. It makes the Bible come alive. The Message is another great one that's, that's awesome. The ESV. Anyone that speaks in normal English language is better than reading it in a language that you feel holy reading it, but you don't understand anything it says. And that's kind of how Bible reading was for me growing up. I, I grew up in a home where, like, you had to read the Bible. Like, if you didn't read the Bible, you were getting a spanking or something. I don't, I don't know. I never tried it. I just always read it. I was more scared of not reading the Bible than I was scared of my dad. So I would get home at night, and it didn't matter. We could get in late from meetings, and I'd go home to my bathroom and open up my True Love Waits Bible. Do you guys remember True Love Waits, anyone? True Love Waits was a really weird um, purity campaign they did, like when I was a teenager, and it was a whole, it was, the, the idea is great, the, the uh, execution of it was, was not that great, <laughs> and it was a book, it was a Bible, and it was True Love Waits Bible, and it would be like, like it had all these studies on, on sexual purity inside of the Bible, so it'd be like, for God so loved the world, he, began, he gave his only begotten son, and then the next page would be like, 75% of active teens have an STD, and you'd be like, my God, like is that... Did Jesus die for that too? Where is it? I don't know. It was like all kind of different statistics and weird. I mean, it was, but it was the Bible I had. So I'm in my bathroom and I'm reading my True Love Waits Bible. 
and I would read it. It didn't matter if it was one verse or if it was a chapter. I would not go to sleep without reading the Word of God because I was convinced that I had to and it would work. And here's the truth. I didn't have to, but it does work. And all of you have the same choice today. When you are in 21 days of prayer, when you're, I encourage you to press into scripture reading because scripture reading is not just you reading another book. It's not a substitute for any other book that you're reading that day. It is the living word of God, which is full of energy and it pierces more sharply than a two-edged sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our heart. So two words for the word, word. And here's the two different kind of words. One, logos. Everyone say logos. Logos is just the written word. It's just, it's anything you read. So the Greeks would say, you know, logos, like, like all of their textbooks were logo books. It was just, it's just the word. It's just any kind of written thing that you would, a textbook, a magazine. A, that is logos word. And then there's another word called rhema. Say rhema. And rhema is the revelation word. Rhema is the word they use when it is a living word. This kind of word that they're talking about, which is, hey, this isn't just normal words on a page. The rhema word is words that interpret your heart. They read you. They do something to you. You're not just reading it. It is reading you. And we have to understand this in order to understand how to read Scripture. Because remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Okay, so we're trying to get our faith built. Now what happens is the more time I spend in the Word of God, the more my faith grows because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. Now if you don't understand how to read this and how to activate that, it will, beget, it will become very boring. And you know what happens, which is one of the greatest ploys of the enemy? It becomes so boring that other things become much more appealing to do. You go like, I could read my Bible, but I also could turn on ESPN. I could read my Bible, but I also could pull up the newspaper and see if, you know, anything's going on in the Middle East. I mean, I could sit down and spend some time reading this morning, but I got a lot of stuff to do before I go to work. Because it becomes so boring and mundane that it's very easy for the enemy to make other things more appealing. Hey, when you understand how to read this word and what it does, there is nothing more appealing and nothing more energizing, nothing that can bring you more joy, nothing that can break you out of a funk than spending time in the word of God. It is an amazing book when we understand how to read it. When my time with God gets boring, remember this. This is a great line. Keep this in the back of your mind because when you find the world more appealing, it's normally because of this. When my time with God gets boring, the world becomes more appealing. I have got to keep my time with God fresh. Hey, what is 21 days of prayer that we're doing? It's helping you keep your time with God fresh. It's helping you get up, and maybe for some of you who have never prayed out loud, you're praying out loud. Maybe for some of you who have never experienced praying for certain areas or focusing your prayer on things, man, you're growing as you do that. It is keeping your time with God exciting. I want to give you three ways today to make your reading effective. To make your reading effective. Number one, if you're taking notes, number one, accept its authority. Accept its authority. Listen, we live in a time period where a lot of people would like to change what Scripture says. And a lot of people would like to change Scripture to fit their lives instead of changing our lives to fit Scripture. And I want you to know, 
I fully believe, and at Valley Rise Church we fully believe, that the Bible is the true, full word of God. That there is nothing that can be changed in it. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever, just like the person who spoke it. And my, du my duty as a Christian is not to try and make my life fit into the Bible. It's to change my life to where it looks like what God called it to look like. Amen? 2 Timothy 3.16 Every scripture has been written by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. It will empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. You know what it means when you accept the word of God as the full ultimate authority of God? It means that when you're reading and something hits you wrong and you go, God, I, mean, that's a, I don't know why, God, why would you say that? I don't live like that. That it means I'm not supposed to go, well, I just don't believe that part. I've got to go, hey, I've got to make some changes inside to where my life fits what God called it to look like. When it lists the fruits of the Spirit and it goes, you know, patience, kindness, joy, hope, long-suffering. Well, you ain't never suffered with my relatives, Lord, so that doesn't apply to me. You've never suffered. You don't know, God, my situation. God goes, I don't know your situation. I just know who I called you to be in every situation. I'm not sure of what your situation is, but I do know that if you live the life I called you to live, then you will be who you were created to be in every situation. Our lives must change to look like the Word of God. We cannot change the Word of God to fit our lives. And listen to me, this is the first time in history that people have ever lived where the truth has become relative. Where people decide, kind of like, well, that's true for you, but that's not true for me. And this is, you know, that might, that might be, that's your truth, but this is not my truth. Listen, the word of God is the truth. And there is no ultimate authority higher than it. And until you make that decision in your life, the book will not make sense or the book will seem confusing. Because the book only works when you accept it as the ultimate authority. Number two, make it a part of your everyday life. Make it a part of your everyday life. When I was in Israel last year, it's amazing. You know, I, I told people, we have this idea of the Jewish culture that's very um, legalistic and very strict. And, and, and there are a lot of rules, and it is very legalistic in some areas. But their love for the Word of God blew me away. The, the, I, I, we went into a thing that they call, um, excuse me, that they call a yeshiva. And a yeshiva is like a school for students that want to be rabbis. They learn the, the Old Testament and the Torah, and they, they learn all of it. And um, they go in there and they study. It's kind of like a college, but where they're just studying the Torah and the Talmud 11 hours a day. And you go in there, and, and we went in, some pastors, and we're meeting with all these students. And so I'm talking to them and go, hey, you know what, one of the guys was from Boston. And I said, hey, you know, what are you doing here? He said, well, I wanted to come here and study, you know, study yeshiva and learn. And I said, well, so you want to be a rabbi when you get out? He goes, no, I, don't want, to, I want to be an electrician. I said, well, you be an electrician? Why don't you go spend two years studying the Torah and the Talmud, learning this stuff, studying if, if you want to be an electrician? He looked at me and he said, if we really believe that this book gives us the keys to live a perfect, successful life, why wouldn't I spend time learning this book before I start my life? And I literally thought, yeah, you're right. I was thinking the same thing too. I was thinking, I was just thinking that. I was just testing you to see if we were on the same page. So it blew me away. We talked to them. We go, hey, you watch. They said, like, what do you do in your free time? I'm like, oh, I love, you know, I watch like Blacklist. Do you ever watch Blacklist, the show? He's like, no, Rabbi says, you know, TV's not very good for us. We just study the word. I'm like, me too. That was another test. Two for two, you're good. You're good. I was trying to get you, but I couldn't. 
their love for the Word of God and their full dependence on the fact that they really believe the Word of God is what the Word of God says it is, is unbelievable. It blows my mind. When you go into any Jewish hotels, Jewish houses, they all have a little scroll at the door. You'll notice it's screwed into the door. And it is a copy of Scripture. It is a copy of Scripture they keep on their door. When you see them, have you ever seen them walk around with the boxes like tied to their heads? I don't know if you've ever seen that. They'll tie them to their sides. They'll tie them to the, and, and you, you look at the first time, you go, what is that? It is Scripture inside of there because the Word of God says, bind this Word to your head. Let it never depart from your mouth. Think about it day and night. When you lay down at night, meditate upon it. So you know what they do? They bind it to their head, and they don't let it leave their mouth, and they meditate on it day and night. And it's amazing what God does when you really take him at his word. Their love for scripture blew me away. And what I realized is I have to read scripture like that. I've, I've got to not just read scripture, I've got to meditate on it day and night. Hey, let me tell you what the word meditate means. Okay, we got a lot of, we're from Texas, y'all know cows. You ever see a cow eat? You know, a cow, I think they call it ruminate, and the, and the cow will, will eat and swallow it, and then, oh, that was pretty good. And then he'll spit it up and then eat it again and swallow it. He does that four times, four different stomachs, okay? And sometimes I'm like that when my mom's cooking, to be honest. I eat it, I'm like, God, I could throw up and eat this again. That was, like, really good. So, that's, <laughs> all right, maybe we missed it on that one. Um, a cow will take this, and he'll chew on it. Bring it up, chew on it, bring it up, chew on it. That is the word picture that the Bible gives us for how we're supposed to read Scripture. So not just read it and go, oh, that was good, you know. So, the, Jesus, that's awesome. I love that you did that. That's amazing. And then walk away and go on with our day and when we got work and we got family and we got all kinds of issues happening. It says meditate on it day and night. So when I read in the morning, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I don't just read that and go, that's amazing. When I walk out and I'm in traffic on 45 and I want to pull the car over and fight someone, I start ruminating on the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is, God, I want your joy to be my strength. You know what happens when you begin to ruminate it on it? You begin to talk to God more. Because the questions that you have sometimes, he's the only one that can answer them. And as you begin to ruminate on it, it begins to build your faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We've got to make it a part of our everyday life. We've got to meditate on it day and night. Hey, I encourage you, when I was in, when I was with all growing up, I would take note cards and I would write scriptures on them and I'd put them in my bathroom, I'd put them in my backpack, I'd put them in my locker. Even when I was barely saved, I had them up on my, in my Air Force locker. I had all, and I would come in and I would read them and I'd just think about them, I'd think about them, I'd think about them. I was torn, I was having a crisis. I'm like, I don't really wanna be a Christian, but also know I should be memorizing scripture, or I think I'm gonna get spanked. I don't know, it was like a childhood thing, I guess. But I had to realize, until I started reading the word of God the way he created me to read it, it wasn't going to be effective in my life. And some of you have been reading, and you've been studying, and you've been trying, but it's just been boring. It's just been the logos, it's just the, you might as well read a magazine. We've got to learn to read the Word of God the way it was created to be read, which is not only do I read it, but then I meditate on it all day and allow it to read me. Because whatever I'm reading, God has more than just that in there for me. I'll tell you, there's some times where I read. Some people will ask me, how do you get your messages? You know, how do you do messages? How do you know what God wants you to speak to people? And I'll read something in the morning. And I'll be thinking about it all day long. When I get in the car and I'm driving, I start thinking about what I read that morning. 
I start going, God, is there something you want to speak to me in this? Is there something you want? And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's like he'll give me a picture with exactly what he wants to say. That's how it works for me. It's like I just see it, and it's like everything, all of a sudden, this eureka moment, you ever have those eureka moments where like, like you're reading something maybe you've read a hundred times, and all of a sudden you go, oh, wow, that makes sense now. I've read that a hundred times, and that's never made sense. I get it. That is called revelation. And revelation comes only from God. And it is what makes your time with God exciting. Because revelation means God reveals things to you that you would have never seen unless he chose to reveal them to you. But it doesn't happen unless I spend time with him, unless I ruminate on the word of God, unless I bind it on my mind, unless I'm thinking about it all day, unless when I lay down at night I'm thinking about it. Some of you have been battling things, battling anxiety, battling depression. You need to put up some scriptures like the joy of the Lord is my strength in your room. You need to lay down at night going the joy of the Lord is my strength. He is my peace. The righteous rung to him. He is a strong tower and he defends me. You need to put these scriptures up and ruminate on them as you lay down. That the enemy, that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. My God shall provide all of my needs through Christ Jesus. Scriptures that you need to write down and begin to process. So when you lay down and the enemy begins to go, you're not going to be able to, they're going to take your house. You're not going to be able to pay. That you go, you know what? Hey, my Lord, my God is my provider and he will provide all of my needs through Christ Jesus. When you get anxious, hey, the joy of the Lord is my strength. He is a peace. He is my peace. The righteous run to him and he is a strong tower. He defends me. That when the enemy begins to attack your mind, you have scripture ready to fight back. Because if you don't understand that scripture is how we fight the battle, you will lose every time. Jesus fights the enemy in the desert and the, de the devil comes to him and says, hey, gee, if you're really Jesus, you know, you should do this. Now, let me just tell you this. If he attacked Jesus this way, he's probably going to do it to us too. Because Jesus was like God and he did it to him. And Jesus looks at him and says, it is written. Every time he fights the enemy back, he quotes scripture. It is written. It is written. It is written. Why? Because the word of God is not just another book. It is a living and active word, sharper than a double-edged sword, able to separate bone from marrow. If it can work there, it can work inside of us. Number three, put it into practice. Joey, you can come as we begin to close. Put it into practice. I was thinking of this, you know, I, I, was, um, we, I took Eli to go to LSU's um, facilities a couple weeks ago for his birthday. And we go in there, and, and it's amazing some of the stuff they have. They have a big wall like this, a big white wall. And, and the guy goes, you know, when it rains, we come in here. And he goes, you see these projectors? They project a game plan, like, like the whole field. And he said, we stand in front of it, and like what we do, the team like changes to it. He's like, it's like interactive, so we can practice in here on different sets, and we can do different stuff in this room. And he said, it's amazing how it works. And he said, we'll go in the room, they'll put stuff in the playbook, and then we'll come in here and practice it and see if it really works against the scheme we want to use. And then they'll go, okay, that didn't work, and they'll come in there, they'll t put something else in, then we'll come in here, and we'll interact with this thing and see if it would actually work. And I had this thought of so many times, we get in the meeting for the playbook, which is we spend time with God. Okay, God, I'm here, speak to me, I'm up, 21 days of prayer, God, I can't see, I can't. 
hey, listen, y'all just grace me in the mornings too. Because like Alex the other day goes, you look kind of tired this morning. I'm like, well, it, it is 5 a.m. Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> y'all don't have to be on camera at 5 a.m. So I, it, it, I mean, we get in the game room. We get in the playbook. We start reading the playbook. We see all the plays. But we never implement it when we get into the game. We know that God calls us to do and be certain things. We know he calls us to be long-suffering. But when our wife starts an argument with us, and it's that thing she's done that she always does, that thing you've told her 20 times, like, like why do you not have a pin in your car ever? I just need to confess in the middle of this, is my wife in here? Okay, good. Because she's yet to realize. We got an argument this week, and the argument was, I always go to the bank, and when I'm going to deposit a check, I, I go to grab a pen. Well, she doesn't like having clutter in her car, so she takes out like anything but the car. If she could take the seats out, she would take the seats out. And, and there's no pins. I'm in the line. There's cars in front of me, behind me, digging for pins, looking for pins. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, this is, I call them like, did you take all the pins out your car? She's like, well, yes, I put them in your car because I know you like pins in your car. I'm like, you have to have one ink pen in your car, Alex. Well, what for? I'm, for anything. I don't know. What if you bump into someone and you need to write them a note? She's like, what if you, you need an ink pen in your car? She's like, well, I don't like ink pens in my car. So, because I am a loving husband, I pulled out of that Chase Bank right there in Creekside. I went to CVS. I walked in there. I said, do you have any of those big packs of pins? You know, just like like, a, like too many pins to go in a car. She's like, yeah, we do have those. I'm, like, I'm going to need like five of those. Like, So I bought a couple hundred pins, and I put them all in the car. I filled up the center console. I filled up both sides of the door. I hid some because when she finds those, I'm gonna, she's going to be mad, and then I'm going to have other ones I hid in the sunroof. I hid them all over. I'm like, never again will I need a pin. And in the midst of it, I'm going all over. I'm going to CVS. I'm pulling those pins out. I'm like, you're going to pull all the pins out? Guess what? You're going <laughs> to. And God spoke to me and said, isn't it amazing how you spend time with me in the morning? And, and I call you to be long-suffering and patient and kind, but all it takes is one ink pen to get you off track. All it takes is one ink pen for you to forget your entire hour you spent with me this morning. Because it's easy to spend time sometimes in the playbook and never implement it in real life. That when my wife and me are arguing, when my boss is making me mad, that I've got to find time to ruminate on that word and go, God, you didn't call me to be right. You called me to be a bearer for you. God, I'm going to be at peace. God, I'm going to, have, I'm going to be humble. I'm going to practice humility. God, I'm going to be long-suffering. God, I'm going to be patient. God, I'm going to be kind. God, it doesn't matter what the world does. You didn't call me to be them. You called me to be an imitator of you. And in the midst of craziness and chaos, God, you have called me to be a light and peace to a dark and hurting world. So the end goal is not that we would be satisfied at the end of the day. The end goal is that we would have looked like Jesus all day long. The end goal is that when we lay our head on the pillow at night and scripture still going through our mind, we can think, you know what? I wish Jesus to every single person I crossed paths with today. The lady, the lady at the bank who was having a bad day and it was taking her a long time and she kept apologizing, I, I just stopped and said, hey, you're good. Like, don't even worry, I'm fine. You're good, take your time. You don't understand how much you can change someone's day when you act like Jesus. And many of you heard me, the, the um, 21 days of prayer thing I did, uh, maybe it was day two or three, and I said this to you. I said, hey, when you're praying, God's gonna bring people to your mind. When he does that, that's not coincidence. Reach out to those people. Just tell them you're praying for them. Just shoot them a text. Say, hey, I'm praying for you today. I was thinking about you. 
I have had more messages come in of people that have sent me messages going like, hey, I did that. And that person was like, this has been the worst day of my life. My fiance just left me and this happened and I just got in a wreck and so-and-so's having surgery. Thank you so much. Like it really works. I'm like, you don't say. (laughs) It really works. We have to decide that we want to be Jesus to a world around us, but it doesn't happen unless we activate our faith. And you know what happens? I love it because it was such a great sermon example. For every single person who did what I said, text those people, they saw it happen back. You know what happened? It grew their faith. So the next time it happens, they're going to be quicker to text them because they know, oh wait, this actually works. And the next time you go in and God says, hey, just tell that person I love them. And you go, hey, this is kind of weird, but I just want you to know God loves you. Hope you're having a great day. And they start crying and go, I was just going to kill myself tonight. And I didn't know. It builds your faith. And you do it again. And you do it again. And you do it again. And now our faith becomes not, okay, God, are you going to catch me if I jump? It becomes, God, I want to hear exactly what your heart is so that I can go out and do it. But I can't know your heart unless I spend time with you. I can't know your heart unless I ruminate on your word. I can't know your heart unless I am fully submersed in you, God. And once I am that, then I can hear clearly what you want for me to do. And then when I do it and it works, I trust you even more next time. Sometimes people think that that, that faith is like, we had had a, a guy when I was in school at Old Roberts that got, he was in a longboarding accident. He died. He was in the hospital for a couple days though. And, and the whole church was praying. Everybody was praying for him. And everybody. And in one of my theology classes after the kid died, our teacher asked us this. He said, if you have enough faith, should you be healed? And, and one guy said, well, yes. You know, I think he didn't get healed because there just wasn't enough faith for that, to, to heal him. And a girl stood up in the back of the classroom weeping. And she said, I knew him. He was my friend. And, and we prayed those people, 1,500 people at the hospital for 24 hours a day for seven days a week until he died. You can't tell me we didn't have enough faith. You can't tell me. And what I realized is, is not faith that I want it bad enough, that God, can you do it enough? It's God, what do you want to do? I want to hear you clearly, God, and then I want to go do that. And when it happens, then I trust you even more. And it grows my faith. That's how faith works. We see Jesus do it when Jesus goes in and there's all these sick people around the pool of Bethsaida and Jesus goes up and heals one person. Think about this, he's Jesus. He could have healed everybody. He could have walked in and been like, everybody's healed, y'all go play. Like, he could have done anything he wanted to do. And yet he comes in and it says he goes to one person, goes, do you think I can heal you? They go, yes. He goes, okay, be healed, get up and leave. And then he says, don't tell anybody and leaves. Why is that? He's Jesus. Could heal everybody. We see a little while later him say, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only say what the Father tells me to say. What is faith? Faith is getting close enough to God, spending enough time with God, ruminating on his word enough to where you go like Jesus. I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only say what the Father tells me to say. Because then when you do it and it happens, your faith grows. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As we have faith, as we devour the word of God and let it read us, it begins to bring God revelations into who you are. Wisdom far beyond when you, there's thoughts I've had that I just go, I'm not smart enough to think that thought. (laughs) I'm not that smart. God, that was you. Ideas and inventions and thoughts and schemes. God, that's you. That comes from you. 
heavenly, godly wisdom. When I pray in the morning, I go, God, I don't want earthly wisdom. I want godly wisdom. I want your wisdom, God. I need your wisdom. I need your wisdom with people, God. I need your wisdom as a parent, God. I need your wisdom as a husband, God. I need your wisdom as a uh, running a business, God. I need your wisdom as a pastor, God. I need, I need your wisdom, God, not my wisdom. And when you do that, you will be shocked at the revelation and the wisdom that God will give you through the time you spend with him. Amen. Bow your heads with me. God, today... We understand that it takes this faith to please your heart. But God, really all that is is us just being close enough to hear what you really want from us. God, I pray that you would give us the desire to devour your word. That as we read it, it would read us. That it would come alive, God. That the words aren't just words on a page, but they are your spoken living word, the breath of God that can put wind in our sails again. It can return our fresh air. It can return the excitement of our relationship with you, God. Today, God, I ask that you put wind in our sails. God, that tomorrow when they sit down in front of their Bible, that it wouldn't just be them reading, but that you would breathe revelation into them. That as they ruminate on the word of God day and night, as they accept it as the total authority, and as they put it into practice, they would see their life begin to become exactly what you created it to be. God, I pray for each and every person here. Breathe on them, I ask. In these 21 days, I ask that you would do supernatural things inside of them. Verses they've read a hundred times, God, they would read and it would be different this time. There may be some of you here today that you go, Christian, that sounds awesome, but I've, I've never even started that process. I've never encountered a relationship with God. I've never had a, maybe I've had church or religion, but I've never had a relationship with Jesus. But today, I want to begin that. I want to start a relationship with Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed, this is between you and Jesus. I just want to pray for you. If that's you and you say, Christian, that's me. I want to start that relationship today. Would you just slip your hand up so I can pray for you? Amen. 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 You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. You can say this prayer out loud. You can pray it in your heart. You can whisper it. This is between you and God. All I ask is that you mean it. Dear Lord Jesus, today I realize how badly I need you. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came from heaven to earth to live a perfect life, a life I never could have lived. And then I believe that you died a death on the cross to pay my sin bill a bill I never could have paid myself so that I didn't have to Jesus then I believe three days later that you rose from the grave to give me new life and freedom and hope today Jesus I choose you I choose to love you I choose to follow you And I choose to accept your word as the ultimate authority in my life. Today, Jesus, I choose you. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, would y'all give a hand to those that just made the greatest decision of their lives? Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. 
You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.